We uh, are going to be talking this morning about lessons from the prayer life of Jesus. And in this month of January, we're going to be devoting our study of God's Word to prayer as we prepare for the year of prayer. And then we'll be hitting on other things throughout the year, but trust me, we're going to be weaving this back in. And this is an ongoing series. It'll be through the month of January, and then it will be peppered throughout the rest of this year. And so looking forward this morning to starting where we should start with the example of our Lord himself in the area of prayer. Let's get real. Let's talk about where we really live. And when you begin a new year, what the mornings are really like. I love this quote. And it talks about our first job each morning. And it says, the moment you wake up each morning, all your anxieties and the world's problems for that day, boy, they rush at you like wild animals. That's how my day begins. And the first job each morning, your very first job each morning, consists in shoving it all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. I couldn't think of a more honest way to describe what our life is like each morning as we have New Year's resolutions, begin the year afresh with the greatest of intentions, and then realize the first things that come at us when our eyes open each and every morning. You know, when the disciples, when the disciples said to Jesus, As it's recorded for us in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, I couldn't help but to think that for once, they really asked the right question. Prayer is incredibly powerful. I've come to appreciate even more in the last two years of my life. And there is nothing disciples need to know more about than prayer. Prayer is not the only thing needed by disciples, but I want you to get the conviction this year that it is the most important thing. It's not the only thing, just The most important thing I'm convinced for disciples to do and to know more about. It is not the only thing that is needed to accomplish our world mission or to be victorious over temptations or to build great relationships or to have great 
families and a great marriage. It's not the only thing to accomplish those things, but I want you to know this morning, it is the most important thing to accomplish those things. You see, for this reason, I believe we've got to start this new year and completely change our mindset towards prayer in the life of a disciple. If you look at this first figure, you see how most disciples in all candor view prayer. They make it part of the pie. Maybe it is one-sixth of the pie, an important place in that pie, along with the fellowship that we crave, knowing that we need to reach out to the lost, doing like we did so well yesterday, and I congratulate the church on service, service to the poor and needy, or maybe even our own personal Bible study. We know that's important, don't we? And we know we need to be here when the body is here and worship. But I really believe this is falsely how most of us have looked at prayer in our walk with Christ. And I want the next figure to come up because this is the proper way to look at what we're focusing on this year. Prayer is not just part of the Christian pie. Prayer is really the center of the hub in your Christian life as God structured it to be. And as God believed in its importance. And certainly as we're going to see in the life of the Lord himself. There is a major difference in these two ways of thinking. When prayer is at the center, the influence and power of God will show up in everything. When prayer is an afterthought or a compartmental part, then powerless Christianity is the result. Let me, let me give you the key passage, or should I say two passages, the key two passages for this morning's focus, and I believe to set us up for an incredible year in 2018, the year of prayer. The first one is found, and they're both in John chapter 5, and this is In verse 19, when Jesus said something so extraordinarily important, so outlandish in its concept, that he has to start off by saying, I tell you the truth. There are a few times when Jesus began what he was going to say by saying, guys, you need to understand. I'm telling you the truth here, that there is no falsehood in what I'm about to say. The son can do nothing by himself. Now, you really need to understand who is saying that, and you really need to soak in the implications of that, certainly for the son of man but dare I say even more so for us. A little later on in chapter 5, and you'll see from the next statement in verse 30, he says again, I can do nothing on my own. 
So let me, with those thoughts in mind by the Lord himself, ask you a really penetrating question. Why? Why do we think we can when he clearly could not? Why do we even attempt to live the Christian life on human power? You see, prayer isn't the only thing that's needed in our life, but if you are a disciple here this morning, it is the most important thing. Because clearly we can do nothing without the power of God in our life. You see, I just want you to really understand, Jesus believed that prayer works. Let me say that again. Jesus really believed that prayer works. If you kind of want a visual picture of that this morning, just go back to the video clip in your mind of Steve Ozan sharing about his testimony here this morning. You try to convince Steve Ozan that prayer does not work. But do we really believe that? I've shared with you before that I am now 40 years old plus as a disciple of Jesus. Four decades that I have made him the Lord of my life. And you know, when you hit the 40-year mark as I did uh, last year, and by the way, gosh, I guess I'm really approaching 41 here, March 3rd. That's coming up really soon. Wow. You start really reflecting and thinking about, you know, how has my life as, as a disciple been? And I can look back and I can feel encouraged by ways that I've seen God use my feeble efforts and work through me and make up what's lacking but I can tell you this with all sincerity. If I regret anything, and I want especially some of these younger disciples to hear this, but if I regret anything as I look back on my 40 years as a disciple, what I regret in all sincerity is that I didn't understand or I didn't appreciate this nearly enough. If I could go back and change anything and have a redo, a restart, a do-over, it would be to be more of a man I walk with Christ. You know, strangely, I love tearing into the Word of God. But somehow I missed the importance that prayer needed to play in my life. But I think there's another explanation and it's probably where you and I are both living in all candor. And probably the thing that I can do to convince you how important prayer is, is certainly to look at Jesus' attitude towards it. But I'll tell you what will convince you even more importantly how important it is in your life. 
Nowhere in your life where you will find Satan more successful in keeping you from doing something. Jesus understood the importance of prayer. Satan, boy, he understands that he doesn't want you and I to tap into the real power of God in our life. And I will just tell you, I have really rededicated and redevoted myself to prayer in the last two years. And I have seen huge leaps in this area of my life. And the benefits of it have been profound. But I will also tell you, I've been amazed at how perfection in imitating Christ in this area is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I want to encourage you by saying this. When you set your mind to, say, take up the challenge that we've issued before the church to pray three times a day as Peter and Daniel and Jesus and others did, I'm convinced. Just understand, perfection is probably not always going to be achieved. When you set your heart to pray with your spouse, or if you're not married, with your roommates, or if you don't have roommates, with your siblings, or your mom and dad, or whoever is in your household, every single day, and we have challenged the region, the church to do that in 2018, understand you may miss a day here or there. And that should be a great reminder to you that Satan believes in the power of prayer and he is determined to keep you off your knees. But I am even more determined knowing that to move forward and to rededicate and redouble my efforts to pray. It's not about perfection, folks. It's about striving for perfection. And it's about taking an anemic prayer life and turning it into one of your very strengths in 2018 and thus the rest of your Christian life. You know, this really all comes down to 1 John chapter 2 in verse 6. When it simply reminds us of something we also need to be reminded of in a new year. Whoever says that he lives in God must live, must live as Jesus lived. And so it's not an option to simply say, well, that's not going to be a strength in my life. It's not an option to say, well, I'm not in the full-time ministry, so I can't even think about praying three times a day. I have to be out the door at 5 a.m. You know, I've learned this about my life, is I don't care what your profession is, there are plenty of distractions, and excuses are like eyeballs. Everyone has at least two of them. And so... The real question is, do you really believe that you can do nothing apart from God? And are you really committed in this new year to live as Jesus lived? Because everyone who says that he lives in God must live as Jesus lived. And so this morning, with the remainder of the time we have here, let's look at a couple simple concepts 
about how Jesus lived in the area of prayer. And let's commit to imitate what we read today. How about it, church? The first thing I notice is that Jesus lived in an atmosphere of prayer. I can't think of any better way to put it after looking at the prayer life of my Lord than to say it was simply the air that he breathed. In other words, it was so second nature to Jesus to just live a life of prayer that he didn't have to think about it and say, well, I should be doing this right now, or okay, i got to get my second one in this afternoon here, when am I going to do it? It was just the air that he breathed. And, and that's really where I am starting to get to after months of really devoting myself to be a man of prayer. But I am telling you, it is amazing how the Spirit is willing. It's the flesh that is so weak. And, and I can't believe how easy and enjoyable and how really the Holy Spirit starts taking over my times in prayer. And I believe that happens when it becomes the atmosphere in which you live. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, Jesus chose what was important and not necessarily what was urgent. It's so easy for us to go through our day and let our day wag us as the tail wags the dog. That's why that first quote at the beginning of this lesson is so important. As you push back the anxieties and the problems of the world that immediately hit you upon getting out of bed. And Jesus was so successful in living a life of prayer because he dealt with what was important and determined what was important that he accomplished that day and not just focused on what was so urgent. They're not always, and many times, the same thing. Prayer was a habit with Jesus, I think you see from this verse clearly, and it needs to become a habit in each of our lives. I challenged the church to meet with God often. I can just share with you again that when I get up in the morning, one of the very first things I do is I will go into my prayer room and I will get down on my knees next to the couch that's in there and I will pray a prayer each morning of gratitude. When I started doing that, I noticed immediately it changed my whole anxiety level for the day. It just totally refocused me, and you could literally feel the demons fleeing from me. And what really I did not expect was how when I was in the midst of praying, as I got more and more 
naturally into this, how, and the only explanation I have is the Holy Spirit really started taking over. And I started expressing gratitude for things that I hadn't even thought of. They were not on a list. I didn't have that in mind when I went to kneel down. And it just was, oh my gosh, it's incredible. You know, I did that study in December on the family tree of Jesus. That was Sunday night at the banquet I presented that. The next few days when I got to do my gratitude prayer in the morning, oh my gosh, did the Holy Spirit just take that Bible study in my life and take it to places of gratitude that I could not a week earlier had even imagined. And I am telling you guys, it's pretty exciting when you really let prayer be the atmosphere of your life and you make it the priority it needs to be. You know, uh, I, uh, I, I'm really proud of the Messinas. They're a family that uh, moved into our congregation about two months ago. And Tony was actually here six months before Mike was able to close down his portion of the business in L.A. and move here. And we were talking last Saturday night at the leadership uh, workshop with Tom Brown. And I asked Tony, I said, you know, Tony, um, how's it going? And I was, in all candor, kind of bracing to think, oh, I really miss my friends in L.A. I really miss California, la-di-da-di-da. And, you know, we did that move uh, seven years ago, and I, and I get it. But what immediately came out of her mouth was, I've never been happier. And I can't believe the relationships in just six weeks that I already have here. And she said other things I probably shouldn't repeat as I'm being taped, but I'm just saying it was very, very, Tawny, encouraging to hear that. And it reminded me of a concept that we've always believed, Connie and I, and that is simply this. If you don't have friends because you've chosen not to have friends. It's not that they've got the problem. It's that, well, you probably haven't put the effort in to build friendships. And and I really want to piggyback on that to say, if you don't feel close to God right now, it's not God's problem. I mean, what more do you want him to do? He gives you your breath every morning, just to name one good thing. And I'm just saying, when you see someone wandering from the faith and they're ready to walk out the door, and God forbid they they fall away, and I get a chance to talk to them afterwards, often what I will hear is, I just didn't feel emotionally close to God, an emotional connection. I can tell you, I don't feel that way in my life. And I don't know how you can do the most important thing in your life, tap into God and talk to him and not feel emotionally connected. I mean, just think, how often do you talk to God really in a day? And ask yourself this question. If you spoke to others, your wife, your children... A co-worker, as often as you speak to God each day, how emotionally connected would you be to them? Let me share with you a text that Connie got this week from Erica Doak. 
who's homesick with bronchitis, sadly, today. This text came through middle of this past week. It says, I wanted to tell you thanks so much, you guys calling us to be more prayerful this year. It seems so simple, but it is changing my heart and mind in ways I wasn't even expecting. Life hasn't gotten easier, but my perspective has. As we, quote, our family, are talking to God more during the day together and separately. That's a great family. More time with him is pushing me to be more, and at the same time exposing a lot of weariness in my heart, kind of like a boot camp for the soul. Our prayer journal we put before our mentoring group has been a great success. Lots of good changes coming from y'all's challenge. Thanks for being in step with the Spirit. Man, I love when I get those kind of texts. And I would sure like to get a lot more of those this year. Point number two. Jesus could pray as a sprinter or as a marathon runner. You know, that's one of the insights that I got in looking at the prayer life of Jesus as illustrated in those captive glimpses in the Gospels. I ran track and field in high school for three years. When you first go out for track and field, you try your hand at a number of different events. Two-mile, 880, 440, 100-yard dash. I quickly determined that I was going to run the high hurdles because I didn't like the marathon. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack as I cramped over. And I got blown past on the sprints, even though I was more prone to take a short dose of pain and be done. But I was pretty good at jumping and leaping. And so they surprisingly said, hey, try the high hurdles. And I did. And they thought, well, you're, you're pretty good. That's going to be your event. It's interesting, when you look at the prayer life of Jesus, you see that Jesus knew how to de- dedicate long periods of time to prayer when he needed to. This one a little bit more. In Luke 6, in verse 12, it says, one of those days. You ever had one of those days? Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. You know, sometimes you just need to take the whole night And work it out. Work it out in your conversation with the Lord. You know, as a disciple, you've sat down with someone that's going through a hard time. And it's not like when you sit down with that person, at least it's not been my experience, that they they look at the clock and say, listen, I don't want to take a lot of your time. Let me just share what's going on in my life in five minutes. It's kind of like usually 10 minutes into one of those kind of talks, I know, well, if I got anything else going tonight, I probably need to clear it out because this person needs to talk. 
And sometimes Jesus just really needed to talk to his best friend and his father. And we're going to have days like that. You know, I love what the Christian author Joyce Meyer says. She says, prayer is simply talking to God like a friend. It should be among the easiest things we do each day. You know, prayer doesn't necessarily, and I would say in almost every case, prayer doesn't change God's mind, and it doesn't change God, certainly. But long moments of prayer, I know in my life, have changed me. And I think Jesus went up on that mountain after one of those days because he needed to change, not that he needed to change his father. The other thing besides being a marathon prayer warrior that I appreciate about Jesus is that I believe most of the times he was a sprinter. He was a sprinter. And there's so many examples of some of the brevity of Jesus' prayer. Just think of the Our Father. We can memorize that prayer. It's so short. But, boy, is it complete and is it ever effective. And I thought of one example I would share with you to drive home how most prayer in our life is probably going to be a sprint. I think about the example when Jesus went to hill probably, arguably, one of his very dearest friends, Lazarus. Lazarus, who had been dead for four days. Arguably, apart from his own resurrection, the single greatest miracle he performed that we have recorded. And he comes upon the scene, and everybody's welling, and the sisters are are, uh, tearfully sharing, you know, if you'd only got here earlier, if only, if only, he'd still be alive. And I love what I read about in John 11, in verse 40. We'll pick it up there. Jesus goes to the entrance of the tomb with the sisters. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? It's the year of prayer, folks. Let's see the glory of God. Like Steve Ozan. So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up, and he said, and here's his prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! The greatest miracle that Jesus performed outside his own bodily resurrection, and there's the prayer, at least the one we have recorded, and you say, well, I just don't have time to pray. The power of a simple prayer may really surprise you. I love what Max Lucado says. Of all the words of a prayer, the most important one is the first one. In other words, just pray. Just do something. 
But we don't need to be babbling like pagans, Jesus says. But we do need to be prayerful throughout the day. And you can't convince me, whoever you are, that you don't have time to pray simple prayers throughout the day. And you say, well, I've got to pray more so more great things happen. Well, I'm glad Jesus didn't feel that way when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Just a thought. And the final thought on lessons from the prayer life of Jesus, and I really wanted to hit this one in closing, and you may say, well, it's so obvious, but I don't think it is because I don't think you even think about it. But get this, lesson number three, Jesus had prayer partners. Hello, right? Jesus himself had prayer partners. We were challenged in December to select prayer partners. We're not, to date, holding you accountable on that. You didn't have to fill out forms online. Fortunately for this one, no background checks necessary. We just asked you, find some prayer partners. And you can be like Irma and the Titus 2 women, and you can pray, you know, you know, for the next, uh, whatever it is, three months with the same people, and then switch after that and do it five days a week at a set time on the phone. Or you can do it your way. We just asked if you're married or you have roommates, make at least one of those prayer partners your spouse or your roommate. You say, well, I say. Forget what you say. I say, have you done it? If we went up to you today in the fellowship and said, who's your prayer partner? Would you say, oh, yeah, this is, this is my prayer partner. This is my prayer partner here. I'll tell you who Jesus would say his prayer partners were. Let's look over in Luke chapter 9. It says about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up onto a mountain to pray on the mountain of the Lord. And then Matthew 26, another example. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, once again, that's James and John, and he began to become anguished and distressed, and he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, let me remind you of a passage we looked at earlier. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. If Jesus had prayer partners, clearly he did then really do we think that we can handle life without community prayer as well as private prayer? Man, I am calling you to repent today. In fact, I'm calling you to repent right now, right here in this fellowship. And and if you've not been praying with your spouse or your roommate daily, Or if you don't have prayer partners outside of that, that you say, let's join together for the next few months in community prayer, 
then you're really saying and blowing off the example of Jesus and saying, well, he was weak, he needed that, I could do it on my own. That's really what I believe we're saying, or we just really don't care. We need a little help from our friends. I can't tell you how this is taken hold of in the church. Steve Ozan got a lot of help from a lot of friends. Man, we were texting back and forth. We were praying. Incredible things happened. Kevin Steve has been trying for two years to get Sundays off from his law enforcement job. His seniority was really low. He was told it's going to be five years. He had some mighty prayer warriors praying for him often. We prayed together. We texted. We prayed together. He found out a week ago, after two years on the job, that he not only has Sunday off, he has Saturday and Sunday off. And he texted, he texted me and other brothers a week ago and say, it's looking good amazingly for one of two options, Sunday and Monday or Saturday and Sunday. And I told him last Saturday night, just so you know, I've been praying for Saturday and Sunday ever since I saw that. Because I want you to have Saturdays off for your wife and for your children. And when I got that text a few days ago and said, you're not going to believe this, I got Saturday and Sunday off. My coworkers can't even explain it. They said, how did you pull that off? We know how he pulled it off. I appreciate so much a brother like Josh Hose. He's been taking his state boards to be a nursing home administrator. And we have been praying many brothers, and he has been so good about texting us and telling us. I've got an exam today at 2 o'clock, and we, at 2 o'clock, we stop what we're doing, and we pray for him. He passed, I think it was three of them, all of his boards, first attempt, amazing, but prayer warriors were in his corner. And so as we think about the year of prayer, in conclusion, let me say, we really need to be thinking about the Lord himself and walking as he walked. Jesus lived in an atmosphere of prayer. Jesus could pray as both a sprinter and, when he needed to, a marathon runner. And Jesus himself modeled the way to have prayer partners in his life. If we dare, if we dare, can we put that mountain slide back up, Christy? If we dare to draw near the one of the mountain, if we dare to draw near, nothing, nothing will be the same in our life. I can't think of a more exciting way to step out on faith and be men and women who dare this year to draw near. We have a great 